Thank you so much for joining us today for worship. We're glad that you're here, whether you're online or in person. It's so great to be here with you and worshiping the Lord. If there's anyone that's new uh, with us, uh, we just want to invite you to text uh, a number. There it is. Go up on your screen. We want to, if, if you could text new to that number, we'd appreciate it, whether that's here in person or online. Uh, let's stand now as we worship the Lord. You are the one 
Let's pray. Father, we do open our hearts and minds for you tonight, Lord, as we come together and worship. Father, we, we do have anticipation for what you're gonna do here, Lord, during this service, but also just in, in the days to come. Father, we open our hearts and our minds for you now, and it's in your name we pray, amen. Would you please be seated? We are really looking forward to Christmas weekend around here. We will have four identical services that are all family friendly. Because of that, we will not have children or student ministry for any of them. So we encourage you, bring your family in. It'll be a great evening and morning celebrating the birth of our Savior. That's on December 24th at 3.30, 5, and 6.30, and then on the 27th, which is a Sunday morning, um, at 9.30. So please go onto our website. We strongly encourage you um, register for that service ahead of time, any of those services. Um, since it already opened up about a week ago, we have most of them about a third full already. So don't wait if you know what service you want. Go online and sign up for those um, as soon as possible. We also, for those of you who are joining us online for Christmas weekend, we have a Christmas to-go box. You can register for that at the same place on our event, um, on our event page on our website. I'm talking too fast today. Um, and it is everything we'll have here for everyone, as well as a few things just to make your home experience a little bit more special for Christmas weekend. So go on. We have about 40 of those left. So go on and register for one of those to pick up the week before Christmas. And then we are doing a new event this year we've never done before, which is a Christmas photo drive-in. So it's a COVID-friendly outdoor event. It is next Saturday, the 19th, from 1 to 3 in the afternoon. We're going to have a photographer here who will take your family photo in front of a cute backdrop with or without Santa, totally up to your family. But come on down for that. We'll have snacks for you to take home with you as you leave afterwards um, while supplies last. It is a free event, and I know that photos for families are a little bit hard to get. So it's an opportunity for us also to reach out to our neighbors and our friends who are still looking for something special but who can't do their normal Christmas photos or their normal Santa photos. So it's a great way for us to do something that serves our community. So I encourage you, invite your friends to share in with that. We have a Facebook event you can share. You can share information off of our website. Lots of ways to get our community out here for that event um, next Saturday. And I want to also remind everyone, if you have not turned in your Adopt-A-Family gifts, they are due um, on Sunday. Or if you haven't gotten them yet, you can bring them in on Monday. So I'm giving you a day extra to bring them in. But I want to thank you. I am often blown away by the generosity of Blue Springs Christian Church um, family. But we are giving over 500 gifts this year, and we have all but two of them already registered for. And I am just blown away by just how much our community does, or our our family does for our community, for those who are needing Christmas this year. So thank you so much for doing that. And if you haven't turned them in yet, you have until Monday at 3. If you are new here to Blue Springs Christian Church, I want to encourage you to text the word new to the number on the screen. And if you're a BSCC or joining us online, please text in your names. And if finances are something that you're kind of like, I need to fix my finances, 
Um, we are having a new finance small group launching, actually two of them, in January. The information will be on the website in a couple weeks, but be praying about it between now and then. If you've got a, you know, you're, you're realizing this time of year that you would like to get them more in line with God's plan for your finances, that that's an opportunity for you in a couple weeks. Thank you. Well, hello, uh, BSCC. I want to say hi to everybody, uh, those of you online. I hope you're doing well this Christmas season. So glad that you're worshiping with us, and it's a joy to be with everybody in the room as well. Before we uh, get into our message today, I, I wanted to also say, as Almeida was sharing, how grateful I am for every one of you who partners uh, with us here at BSCC financially. If you're a guest, uh, we're just thrilled that you're worshiping with us, and you know, we, we don't ever want anybody to feel pressured to, to give here. But we did send out a letter this past week uh, that I, I shared, uh, just inviting BSCCers to pray about and consider making a, a special year-end gift to the ministry here. If you'd like to see that letter, if you didn't get it, you can go to our website and just click on the, on the Give tab there on the homepage, and it'll take you to it. But uh, I, I'm excited about the ministries that we have uh, going right now and excited about 2021. And I know that, uh, you know, Tammy and I, our, our largest uh, gift in December will be to the ministry here because of how important uh, we see the, the, the work of, for Jesus that's happening in the lives of our children and students and adults. And I, and I do feel like that uh, with, with all that's going on here at the end of this year and into next year, it's a time when the church needs to be as equipped as ever uh, with the resources to carry out the mission that Jesus has given to his church. So if this is your church family, I, I would ask you to just pray about that and consider a special year-end gift. We'd appreciate that. Thank you for considering that. And, and again, I'm so grateful uh, for your generosity throughout this past year. We began a, a special Christmas series last week that we're picking up on uh, in our worship time today as well called The Untold Story. Probably most of us, we you know, are familiar with the basic plot of, of the story of Jesus' birth, even if you don't believe that it's true. Uh, you probably know, you know something of the, the storyline. But there may be some things about the Christmas story that you're not as familiar with or, or may not have really thought much about. And so in this series, we're just asking that question, what is it in the Christmas story that we tend to miss, that we tend to overlook? One of the things that I appreciate about God and really uh, value about God is his intentionality, how intentional God is. Now, his ways, as the Bible talks about, I mean, they're so much higher than ours, so superior to ours that we, you know, we don't always you know, see his path and how, it, how it's going there. But as we come to know, you know, the Bible more and more and what it says about God and in our own personal experience with God, I think we, we see how intentional he is and how, how deliberate 
God is. And so I want to think about that with you here a little bit regarding the Christmas story. Take, take Mary, for example. Mary, you know, if you were to just pass Mary on the street, you know, and she's just a, you know, a, a, would be an average, you know, young person there, the, the lady that walks by, and in her, in her culture and day, uh, just somebody that was really, you know, powerless, just was, couldn't even really own anything because of her gender and, and uh, was, you know, was not well off financially at all. And beyond, beyond those things, then uh, she was a, an unwed, you know, pregnant teenager in a small town. Uh, she'd been staying for some months with some, some relatives, and uh, she was beginning to show, and, and uh, her, you know, small town, the people were beginning to gossip and, and talk, and so she was, she was engaged to a really great guy, a carpenter stand-up guy, Joseph, but given the circumstances, he was, he, he was, he was ready to break off the engagement, and so that, that was the predicament that Mary was in. Uh, nobody really wanted to be in, in her shoes. And so just, I mean, think about that with me. Of, of all of the ways that God could, could introduce his son and bring his son into this world, I mean, all the magnificent, extraordinary ways that God, you know, could, could have done that, he, he, he chooses Mary, this, this unwed teenage girl that, that, you know, people were gossiping about to, to, to bear his son. And I think that says something to us about God's heart for the powerless, for the, the misunderstood, for the poor, doesn't it? I mean, he, he's, he's such an intentional God. Let's, let's think some more. Who, 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 did, who received the first invitation? You know, who, who, who did God invite to celebrate that night? that his son was born into this world. I mean, if you've had a child before, think about who, who did you extend an invitation to, or not an invitation, I'm sorry, an announcement to, that, that you know, your children have been born. If, if your dad, maybe you ran out into the waiting room, you know, and, 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 and told family and friends that were there that, you know, of course, this is, you know, pre-COVID, but, uh, you know, hey, you know, this, this has happened, and it's a boy or girl or whatever, or, or maybe you sent out a mass email or mass text about the news or updated your Facebook or Instagram page, you know, but you wanted, you wanted family and friends, and, and just you want, everybody was important to you to, to notice news. So here's God, the most amazing, the most astonishing news announcement the most cosmically significant announcement in the history of the universe. And there's only one, one group of people that receive an invitation that first night to be with Jesus and, and, and Mary and Joseph, shepherds, shepherds. Now, we can sort of be sentimental about the shepherds today, but, but you know, the shepherds in, in, in that day were kind of looked down upon, thought, thought to be uh, undereducated, uh, certainly foul-smelling, and uh, sort of marginalized uh, socially. It was just nobodies. And, and God chooses them. Why, why, why does he announce the birth of Jesus to, to shepherds? I, I think, again, this says something to us about his heart for those that would be considered perhaps on the margins of society. Uh, 
maybe seen as being of, of a lower class. And God's heart for them. But then there's another group that certainly I don't think would be seen as, as being marginalized or uh, under-resourced or anything. I mean, this group, they, they, they had wealth. They, they were well-dressed. Uh, they, they came bearing expensive gifts, you know. So you're thinking probably, yeah, the, the Magi. But I'll tell you something else about who the Magi were. They were foreigners. They were Gentiles, right? And so you think, think about what a slap in the face that, that might have felt like to uh, many of the Jewish people. That, that God invites, I mean, they're not even from the right country, and they get to hear about, you know, the coming of, of you know, God's Son to this, to this earth. I mean, at least the shepherds were Jewish, you know, but the, the Magi, they were, they were out-of-towners. They, they were from the east, and uh, they, they weren't poor, but they definitely were from, you know, they were political outsiders. And so you think about God's intent here. No matter how rich they were, they, they, they were not the home team. And as I thought about it, this would be like the Chiefs winning another Super Bowl, and, and the Raider fans would be the ones invited to come to the celebration parade, you know. Because in, in uh, Jesus' home country, there were, there were two groups of people. There were God's chosen people and then everybody else. There were the Jews and the Gentiles. And that was really the foundational dividing line of separation socially and, and, and relationally. And so you think about this part of the Christmas story and, and what God is saying to us, what, what, what he's expressing to us about his heart. Because the, the, these magi were most likely from Persia. So, I mean, the, the Jews would have seen them as, as pagans, as being unbelievers. And to me, this, this says something to us about God's heart for the outsider. Ethnically, religiously, the, the outsider. And then there's one more part I want to share about this, the story of uh, surrounding Christ's coming. That after Jesus is born in Bethlehem, life doesn't get any easier for, for his family. And Matthew records what, what happens after the Magi leave. Let me read this from, from Matthew 2. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod, remember we talked about him last week, Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. So Jesus and his family then become refugees. And they don't get to you know, go through the toddler years with their son you know, in their, their hometown with family and friends nearby. No. They, they flee to Egypt, and yes, they distance themselves from wicked Herod, but think about how lonely they are, how, how, how displaced they must, they must feel. And, and to me, this part of the story just represents to us God's heart for the lonely, you know, for the, for the, the lost, for, for the, those that would, you know, feel overwhelmed by, by their circumstances. And so you just kind of put these pieces of the Christmas story together. Mary and the shepherds and the magi. And you think about Jesus' family. And as you, as you think about this, to me, this just speaks about how intentional and deliberate God is in wanting us to understand that, that the Christmas story is a justice 
story. Now, I know this word justice is a, is a hot-button word for us today in our culture, and I, I, I use the word here in, in the message as, as it's used in, in the Bible. And, and God and his, his vocabulary about justice is, is more than law and order. It certainly is, is that. It's, but it's more than just people paying for their crimes. Really, when you look at, at God's justice, one, one of the main ways that we see it expressed is in responding to the fall that we read about in Genesis 3 where sin just contaminates all of God's perfect creation and infects all of God's creation. And so a, a part of the definition of justice that we see coming from God is, is to care for the poor. To, to care for the mistreated and the outsider. For example, we see in, in uh, Psalm chapter 82 these words of, uh, from God. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. God's passionate concern for justice is why there's so many t commands and, and, and teachings like this one in the Scriptures about caring for those who society would, would say would be you know, the least of us. Did you know there's over 2,000 verses in the Bible about caring for the poor? And as I've thought about this, although I, I mean, I, I fear God's justice, I, I understand I'll give an account to Him of my life. One of the things I love about the just nature of God is how sympathetic He is to those who have to go through something that, that really is uh, not fair, be, being treated un, un, unfairly in some way. And, and all of us have experienced the, the cruelties of injustice that, that come from living in a, in a fallen, broken world. Maybe, maybe for you it's, it's been relationally, and, and maybe you're even struggling with forgiveness this Christmas, saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just transfer justice in this matter over to God, let Him deal with it, and I'm going to be gracious and merciful because this has been unfair. This is not right the way that I've been treated here. Or maybe it's a health issue for you. And it's just, it's, just not, it's just not fair what you're having to deal with in terms of your, your health or lack thereof or, or, or some other thing. But, but yes, all of us have experienced injustice, the cruelties of it in some way here in this world, but we've also contributed as well because that's a part of what sin does. It, it harms people. It hurts people. I mean... When you think about it, what, what, what a mess we find ourselves in. And so it, it is such a good thing to realize that when Jesus came at Christmas, he came with a message of justice, that his was a justice mission that he was on. And so I've got two thoughts, two kind of takeaways from this part or this way of looking at the Christmas story that might be a little bit different way than, than you've looked at it before. And the first thought is this, that this Christmas we need to remember and really rejoice that Jesus came to take my place. And so when you see a nativity scene, maybe in front of a house or at a store or maybe on your table, I would just encourage you to remember what the name Jesus means, the Lord saves. We read in Romans 5, 
But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been what? Been justified by His blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? Through His death, His coming, and His, his sacrifice, Jesus steps forward and He says, I'll take your place. I'll pay in full the price for you know, for your, your sins to satisfy the justice of God that you might escape, you know, His just wrath. What good news the Christmas story is. There's a, a story told of a, of a king that ruled over a wicked city. And, uh, and so he enacted a law. And, and it was that anybody that broke the law would have their eyes put out. And so the first young man that broke the law was brought before the king for judgment. And when the king looked up, he was taken back and, and uh, uh, filled with, with, uh, with grief because it was his own son. So the king is faced with this huge dilemma. What, what does he do? Justice demands that the eyes of his son be taken out, but his love for his son's like, I, I, I cannot do that. So how does he, how does he satisfy justice and, and his love? Both. Well, he decides to have one of his son's eyes put out and one of his own. And so when people would see the two of them, they, they would see then justice and love merge perfectly together. Justice fully satisfied two eyes had been put out, but also love because the dad loved his son so much that he, he gave one of his eyes for him. Pretty good illustration. But of course, God went so much further than that in the Christmas story as his son gave, gave all that he had, his, his entire life, in paying for our, our sins, our, our wrongdoings, our, our selfishness and pride, our our rejection of God and turning away from Him. It, it wasn't just an eye. It, it was His entire life. Just the, you know, the, the cruelness of the, of the death, the shamefulness of, of the death that, that Jesus died on our behalf. The Christmas story just fills us with such gratitude, with such awe, that in God's system of justice, He would allow there to be a substitute. And that that substitute is our precious Savior, Jesus. And so, this Christmas, let us just rejoice in as we celebrate and consider the Christmas story that Jesus came to take our place. And then another way that I want to emphasize that we're able to align our lives with the story of, 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 of Christmas being a justice story is, is this, that, that we sympathize with those in need. I like the way that theologian and author Howard Thurman puts this. Let me read it to you. He writes, when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among others, to make music in the heart. And you know, the more that I've been reflecting here 
in recent days on, on the sympathy of God. The more I've come to just see this unquenchable desire I have within myself for justice. And I, I hate the pain and the heartache that my daughter and my son-in-law have had to go through this past year in the death of their daughter because it's not right. It's not fair. Death is an enemy. Death was never a part of God's creation plan. It is a tragic sign of the fallenness and the brokenness of our world. And there's been an awful lot of death this past year, hasn't there been, church? Who's grieving right now that you can reach out to, that you can just sympathize with and, and, and comfort and, and encourage? I also hate the fact that my beloved mother-in-law has Alzheimer's and is confined in a, in a memory care unit. We, 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 we can't even get in to be in the room with her right now. It's just, it's not right. It's not fair. Who is it you know that, that is sick, that has, that has health issues? Maybe they're having to be homebound, you know, because they're in that high-risk category for COVID. And, and uh, how can you reach out this Christmas and just express sympathy to them and, and be, you know, a, a source of comfort and Express God's love to them. We read in 1 Peter 3, 8, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. You know, sympathy is more than just emotions and, and, and feelings that we have for someone. It, it involves action. The word sympathy conveys the idea of suffering with and suffering for another person. The story is told of a, a time when the famous composer Beethoven found out about uh, the sudden you know, passing of a dear friend and he was just moved, wanting, wanting to do something. So there was a gathering at the house there for those that wanted to come and, and grieve together and, and he, he showed up and he didn't, he didn't say anything, but he went in and there was a piano there in the home and he just sat down and began to play and he played for hours at times with tears streaming down, you know, coming onto the, onto the keys, and he just, he just played, and then, and then when he was done, he got up and left, didn't, didn't say a word, but just his, his presence, his, his transparency, his, you know, sharing of his, his musical giftedness, just all conveyed this, this wonderful sympathy, sympathy that he felt in his heart for the family. <clears throat> The presence of Jesus in this world, the ministry of Jesus that we read about in the Gospels, just was a continual expression of the sympathy that God has in his heart. For instance, in Luke 7, we read this story of our Lord. Soon afterwards, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming Coming out as he approached the village gate, the young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was there with her. So this funeral procession is leaving the city gate, going out to bury this, this boy. Now, it was a Jewish custom to, to bury people the very day that they died, and so this woman, this mom, I mean, she has this experience, her, 
emotions would be so very, very raw. She's, uh, she's not only dealing with the, the, the grief of her, her, her only son, she at some point in the past has also lost her husband, so now she's dealing with this sense of, of aloneness and, and what will I do in the future? What, what does this mean to me? You know, all, all of these kinds of emotions. And, and so we come to this encounter that this desperate, grieving widow has with Jesus. Let me read to you what it says, verse 13. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I, I tell you, get up. And then the boy sat up and he began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. What a story. Jesus sees the mother. His heart just goes out to her. And he interrupts the funeral procession. Verse 13 says, the Lord saw her. That's all it took for, for Jesus' heart to just go out to this woman. William Barclay writes this. There's no stronger word in the Greek language for sympathy than the one that is used here to describe Jesus. So he sees this, this grieving widow, this mother, his, his sympathy, his, his compassion just wells up within him. His, he, he, uh, he, he, the care he has in his heart for her is stirred, and he, he goes over, and he interrupts the procession, and he says to the mother, don't cry, and then he, he goes over to the stretcher where the, the boy's body is, and he, and he speaks to the boy, and he says, get up. Now, if he didn't have the power and the authority to pull that off, that, that would have been the most inappropriate, I mean, totally insensitive thing ever done at a funeral, processional. But he could pull it off, and he did pull it off because he's God. So the boy gets up, sits up, and he speaks. He's, I kind of wonder, what, what, did, what did he say? Hi, Mom. <laughs> Don't cry. What, what are all these people doing around here looking at me? What are, what are they smiling, hugging each other and laughing? You know, I mean, I'm hungry. You got anything to eat, Mom? You know, it feels like I haven't eaten for 24 hours. You know? But I, I love verse 15 where it says there that, uh, that Jesus <clears throat> gave him back to his mother. Jesus delights in restoring relationships. And can't you just picture the mother grabbing a hold of her son, you know, just holding on to him tightly, just, just kissing him and, and just bear hugging him. I mean, to me, this is a foretaste of the reunion that we will experience in heaven with our loved ones. This Christmas, who is it that God wants to open your eyes to? Somebody that is in need, perhaps through no fault of their own. It's just, you know, it's not fair, it's not right, it's just, it, it, just, it is. Maybe you have a relative that lost their job because of COVID. Could you send them a car just to say, I'm thinking about you, I'm praying for you? Maybe include a gift card to their favorite restaurant in there as well, just to bless them. Or do you know maybe somebody who's a first responder or a healthcare worker that's just really putting themselves in harm's way to care for the sick and to care for COVID patients right now? How can you support them? How, 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 how might you encourage them this Christmas, you see? Maybe you know or do you know somebody that, that is hurting, that is discouraged, that's been treated unfairly just simply because of the color of their skin or their ethnicity, 
How, how could you sympathize with them? How might you let them know you, you care about them and to be able to encourage them? Maybe you have an elderly neighbor who has been shut in and homebound for months because of COVID. And could you maybe do, do like a door dash where you leave some homemade cookies there for them? Or, you know, ring the doorbell and, I mean, you want to, you know, socially distance yourself, but sing some Christmas carols. Wouldn't that be neat? I don't know what God might put on your heart to do, but Christmas is a justice story. And God wants you and me to represent the sympathy that he has in his heart for those in need. Now, I want to come back for a moment to the story where Jesus interrupts the, the funeral procession. Because it says here, Luke writes, that when Jesus saw this grieving widow, his heart overflowed with compassion. And church, I want to say that there is a seeing side of Jesus in this worship service right now. That he sees you. He sees your need. He sees whatever might is causing a sense of worry or weariness in you or, or burden. And like he responds to this, this widow in the story, as he sees your need, there is sympathy in his heart for you. His heart is filled with compassion for you. It's who Jesus is. It's how he feels about you. It's how he loves you. And so when we pray, I'm just going to begin with some silence to give you an opportunity to just say, you know, Jesus, I, I turn to you and reach out to you right now. I welcome your sympathy. I, I welcome your compassion. I welcome your presence, your love. I need you, Jesus. Let's go to him together. Jesus, uh, this has been a very difficult year. It seems there's been a lot of things that have happened that haven't seemed to be fair or right or just, it just has been difficult in many ways. And so we rejoice as we consider in this service what the, the, the story of Christmas says to us about your heart for those in need, those that, you know, in this fallen world have, have not been treated fairly in some way. Or those who are hurting, those who are overlooked, those who are misunderstood. That you are a God of, of love and that, that part of the way we, we see justice described in the scripture is, is the, the sympathy in your heart for those who are poor, for those who are mistreated, for the outsider, for those in need. And, and so as we come to you in this prayer time, we rejoice. First and foremost, that you've, you've met our greatest need, that we would be doomed if it were not for, for your sacrifice for our sins. That, Jesus, we're so grateful that 
in God's system of justice, there's a, able to be a substitute. And you step forward and said, I'll be that substitute. We honor you and praise you and worship you tonight for that wonderful truth about the story of Christmas and God's justice. And we thank you for being a sympathetic God. We thank you for being with us in our time of need. In fact, the Bible says that you are closest to us when we are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. And so we welcome, we welcome your compassion and sympathy and love, your comfort. Care for us. We need you, Jesus. We're yours. We give ourselves to you. Use us this Christmas season that we might represent your sympathy, that we might represent the good news of Jesus coming to this earth in ways that help point people to you. Thank you, God, that you have in your heart plans for us in this way. Help us to see them and step into them, to step forward as you did, Jesus. Be glorified, we pray, in this way through each of us individually as, an, as a church as we pray this prayer in the name of our Savior, Jesus. And all of God's people said, let's stand and worship together.
church, we're going to celebrate a baptism today. So if you could just please be seated and direct your attention over to the baptistry. Hello, this is Jeffrey Heron. Uh, Jeffrey's been coming to Blue Springs Christian Church for a while now. He's gone through all the steps classes. We've been talking about a lot of different things. And today he wants to make sure that uh, everyone here has a chance to witness uh, his declaration of his faith in the Lord. He wanted to wait for his family to be here. We're glad you guys are with us and, and also his church family too. So Jeffrey, I'm going to ask you in front of everyone, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? I do. Yes. And do you want him to be your Lord and Savior? Yes. Jeffrey, based on your confession, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I hope that you were able to grab a cup as you came in, and we're just going to end our time of worship together in, in a time of communion. And for those that are joining online, we want to invite you into this time as well with whatever you may have there with you. As we just remember the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf, the goodness and the, and the gracious heart that God has towards us, we're just going to take a minute to reflect on that. And then when you're ready, go and just peel the top off and, and you can eat that bread and then also drink in remembrance of the blood that was shed. Let's pray together. Father, you alone are worthy of our praise. Lord, you alone are worthy to judge. And Father, we, we trust in your judgment. We trust in your timing. Father, but we believe that this, um, this world that we're in is, is just part of a, a greater scheme, Lord, of, of, of a bigger plan that you have. Lord, we, we love you and we thank you so much for choosing us to be a part of that plan. Father, as we just entrust our hearts and our minds to you together today, Lord, we remember that you are perfect in all of your ways and your timing. And Father, that you part the seas so that we can walk through them, Lord, that you bring the walls down, Lord, so that we can enter into your promise. And Father, we thank you for that. Lord, thank you again just for your, your presence and your spirit here with us, and it's in your name we pray, amen. Well, thank you again so much for joining us today for worship. We're glad that you were here. Uh, if you could just stay put, Ms. Becca is going to dismiss you. We hope that you have a great week. Bye-bye.